So when I was uh, a deacon back in 2009, uh, I got to serve Mass with, well, it wasn't exactly a Mass, it was an adoration, with uh, Pope Benedict. And I was a deacon at the time, so deacons are, deacons have a kind of a short shelf life, as most deacons become priests. So if you're a deacon, you say a deacon for six months to a year. Uh, permanent diaconate is, I suppose, is coming in now a little more, but it wasn't very popular then. Basically, there are always very few deacons, but thousands of priests. So the deacons, they get to serve uh, the, the, the main celebrant, which in this case was the Pope, very, very closely. So there I was just basically chilling with, um, with Pope Benedict. And we got to vest then behind the glass where the, in St. Peter's where the Pieta is, is, is kept as a uh, painted glass to protect it there. So we were vesting and preparing to go out there, uh, myself and the Pope. Um, I'm not name dropping, it's just the point you'll see. Me and there were other deacons as well, lots of other deacons and security and the whole lot, so it wasn't just the two of us. But uh, um, yeah, so it was great. And then, and then you, you got to see the Pieta up close, like, which is just a stunning, it really is a stunningly beautiful uh, and evocative statue, just such a, such a masterpiece, such a, a work of art. Our Lady's young, beautiful face holding her, her 33-year-old uh, deceased son. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, as I say, a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, sculpture. Uh, and then, okay, so then we, were, we all lined up, we were all ready, and, of course, liturgical precedence, out goes everyone first, and then at the end, it's the deacons and the pope. So the curtains parted and out go all the priests, and you're kind of waiting there, just, you know, as you do liturgically, nice and solemn, and... Uh, then, okay, it was, it was our time to go, so we, 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 we marched on out, processed on out. And uh, once the curtains, once we passed the curtains, we were met with, I felt like Brad Pitt or something, so many flashes, and every single phone in the place was out, and, hey, Louis, hey, Louis, it's the Pope, it's the Pope, it's him, it's him, it's him. And I said, oh, it's not, it's, he's back here. <laughs> Just preparing the way, excuse me. <laughs> and walking along, and it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, um, uh, just it, like it was just really uh, a lot of things. It was it was it was beautiful. It was kind of intimidating. It was it was surprising also because you, you're hoping like that people have the attention on the right thing here. Okay, there is the Pope, yes, but obviously Jesus uh, is coming as well, and he'll be more important. Um, but I mean, people need to they need visible signs of what our church is too. And then you process up along St. Peter's again, such a beautiful basilica. And then you get to the top and you take your place and you look down and you see just all the sculptures and all of the, even like, even the columns. I had these beautiful, beautiful shapes and decorations uh, carved into them. And then like 15 meters up in some obscure corner, some fella back five centuries ago was there with a hammer and chisel, right? Knocking out a bunch of grapes out of a a rock, you know, carving uh, a bunch of grapes or a little birdie um, up there, 15 meters. No, No one has ever noticed it. No one has ever commented on that bird in the history of St. Peter's. But some fellow spent three weeks making it. Do you know what I mean? Right? For weeks. Weeks. Do you know? Uh, it's just, it, it's, but anyway, point being, there's, there's all this beauty. Then, like, what, what look like paintings in many of the side altars aren't paintings at all. There isn't a single painting in St. Peter's. All of those beautiful works of art are mosaics, tiny, 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 tiny little tiles so that you can't tell from four metres that they're actually tiles you can't tell it's a mosaic it looks like a painting that's how good they are beautiful absolutely stunning
And some might say that this is, could be considered possibly an exaggeration, right? Is, is this all really, really necessary? Since the Lord was poor, the Lord was a carpenter, does he need any of this stuff at all? You know, like, does this, is this really, is this really important? Well, and I get, okay, I understand the question, right, but look at any hotel that you've gone to stay in that has a nice marble floor and brass railings up along the stairway and brass buttons on, on the lift. You know, is any of that necessary? Is it? Look at the, any of the luxury liners, even your, your car with its leather seats. Is any of that really necessary? Is it? Is it? Uh, you look at any kind of, if you will, secular building, where they're not just, build, not just built to be functional, they're also built to be beautiful. Generally, these days, especially when, you have, when, the, when a country is a little more affluent, you don't build it just to be functional. You build it also to be beautiful. Because these kind of things inspire you know, you go to La Défense in, in, in Paris there, where they have all these, these you know, architecturally unusual or very beautiful, beautiful maybe, more or less beautiful, depends on your architectural taste. But anyway, buildings that are there to impress. They're there to communicate something. They're not just to be functional office spaces. They're actually to impress as well. The Eiffel Tower, what's the point of it? The point. <laughs> what's the point? Like, it's just, it's there to, it's, it becomes a symbol. L'Arc de Triomphe, similarly. Um, you know, anyway, the Burj Khalifa, all these other like tall buildings, they're not just because we need more office space. They're there to, to communicate something. All of these buildings, secular buildings, we've no problem with them communicating maybe the certain, a certain amount of power. Like we're, we're, we're that smart, we're that rich, that we can build a building that tall. Uh, it's a kind of a, it's a, it's a status symbol, but it communicates something. So our buildings and the way we build, it communicates something. You look at St. Peter's, it communicates something. And what it should communicate, we'd be very clear about this, it has nothing to do with the glory of man. St. Peter's wasn't built to glorify any... Who, who commissioned the building of St. Peter's? No one remembers. Well, it's, it'll be written there on some plaque somewhere, whichever pope commissioned it initially. Well, uh, obviously there was a series of basilicas going the whole way back to, to the original uh, burial place of St. Peter. So... The St. Peter's we see now isn't the one that was built, obviously, uh, back in, in the first or second century. There was a, they got increasingly bigger. But the point being, that's not for the glory of any one person. It's not the Pope's house. Pope will die and there'll be a new one. It's not, it's not his personal residence. St. Peter's or any church are built for the glory of God. That's who they're built to glorify. They're not built to glorify man. So, architecturally, and with the materials that are used, when one walks into a church, it should be clear, this building belongs to God. And this building, what's, what's its purpose? Well, its purpose is to bring the people together, bring the community together, for the glory of God, that it's a place of worship. So a church should not feel like a nice hotel, or it should not feel like a, just a stadium or something. It should be very clear, this place is built for the glory of God. So everything about it glorifies God. And even like the, the saints that you may see in a church, even they're there for the glory of God. You know, you might walk into a church, and there might be uh, a saint, maybe hold, the apostles, for example, maybe holding the, the instruments of their martyrdom. Or there might be a Saint Don Bosco, or the Padre Pio, or the, who, who knows what. And all these men who, who, who lived, uh, men and women, who lived for the glory of God. They were like signposts. You know, all that they did, 
indicates God is here. God worked through me. God worked in me. I can, all that I did, I achieved through him. All that I did, I, every, he, to him be the glory and honor and praise forever. Why is that important? Jesus went into the temple and began driving out those who were selling. According to scripture, he said, My house will be a house of prayer, but you turn it into a robber's den. The Lord was very, very clear that the, 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 the temple needed purification. It's not just a place where people can gather and meet. Community is very important, and you know, the, 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 the bringing together of, of the Christian community as a family, as a body, is very important. Absolutely. That's not the purpose of a church. The purpose of a church is the worship of God. Jesus says so. Jesus says so. This is the, these are Jesus, dare I say, kind of not exaggerated actions, but they, they, they're, they're not the kind of actions that we generally associate with Jesus. You know, he was so gentle and so kind and so on and so forth. Yep, and he gets a cord and turns it into a whip. You know, so like this is important to him. And so also for us today, like in the 21st century, when we walk into a church or when we build a church, when we renovate a church or recovate a church, depending on your architectural uh, school of thought, uh, when, we, when we build churches, it should be so clear. Jesus is at the center and everything in the building points to him. Everything. Everything is all pointing here. It's, it's the most illuminated place. It's the most beautiful place. And yes, it's the place where the best stuff goes. Why? Because God deserves it. And along with God deserving it, we as human beings need to see this is where the artists, the priests, the bishop, whoever it was, put the best stuff. Why? Because they believe it's God. So our, 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 our buildings should have almost like a, a catechetical aspect to them as well. That if I walk into a church, a complete atheist, a complete atheist, I look around and even without knowing or understanding anything that's here, at least I know what the Catholics believe. I'm not saying I agree with it, but if I walk into a church, you walk into this church here, it's plain obvious this is the center, the central point of the building. Right, so you walk in, and if you can't find the altar, if, if, you know, if there are no kind of saints around, or no sense of the sacred, no sense of heaven touching earth, if it's just a nice building with an altar on it, you go, hmm, table, wow. I got one of those at home. You know, table, every, every house has a table. But, but if, if it's designed and built in a way that you can sense there's something else going on here, you know, again, you don't have to necessarily agree with it. Ideally, you would. But even if you don't understand it, you, you know what, they're, what they believe. You know what they believe. So that's the, the building side of things. The Lord wants our, our temples, so our churches, to be places of prayer, places of encounter with God. So places where, where earthly things, stone and brass and nicely carved wood, where, where that and heaven meet. Okay, that's one aspect. That's the longer aspect, otherwise this homily would be quite long. And the shorter aspect, oh, dare I say, even more important aspect, is, as St. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that you are a temple. Uh, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And at times, yes, your temple needs to be purified. If I say it needs to be purified with a whip, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying anybody should be violent towards themselves. 
in the physical sense? Of course not. Your, your body is something beautiful, it's something God-given, it's a gift. But inside that temple, if there are things that need to be uprooted, if there are things that are getting in the way of my relationship with God, then yes, at times you have to do violence to yourself. Please understand that one correctly. When I say do violence to yourself, I'm saying do violence to your will. To your will, not to your body. We do violence to our will. How? Say, for example, forgiving someone who I don't want to forgive, getting up early in order to pray, uh, serving when I'd rather rest, obeying when I'd rather rebel, uh, coming to some sort of a compromise with my husband or my wife rather than just doing what I want all the time giving my time to my kids rather than to, to, to my work, if possible. You know, all those things. I'm doing violence to my will, not to my body. But this is, this is like the purification of, of my temple. And now I begin to live for others. I begin to live for God. I begin to live less and less for myself, more and more for him. So in the same way as uh, in a church, divine things touch earthly things. This is the place of, of encounter. So in, in a human person, divine things like my soul, a God-given gift, an immortal soul, and my earthly body, touch. I bring together in my body, heaven and earth, spiritual and material, heavenly and earthly. I, it's brought together. So our, 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 bodies, our bodies are us and our soul is us. We are our body, we are our soul. They're both a gift, they're both good. They're both gifts. So, yes though, as, a, as the Lord does in the, in the temple today, in the gospel, at times our temple needs to be purified as well. Our buildings, yes, we, can, we need to do that too. We need to hoover them. Uh, but also our souls, our, our own person, us as a temple, yes, at times we need to be purified. And that sometimes, on occasion, requires a little violence. Not violence towards the body. The body is a good thing. But violence towards our will, in the sense that I don't always have to do my will. But rather choose God's will, God's divine will, God's divine purpose over my will. So that he can reign in me. That he can reign in my temple. That he can be the central point of my life, as he is the central point in a church. So we ask the Lord today to, to the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal whatever it is the Lord is asking of us today. How Are there any parts of our temple that, that, that we have kept him out of? Are there any, any locker rooms, any storerooms, any back rooms where he's not welcome? Where do we keep the rubbish? Invite him in there. And we can invite him into everything. That the Lord can be Lord of our temple that the Lord can be my Lord. Amen.